We're talking about uh, dealing with bad reports in your life. Raise your hand if uh, you've recently or in recent memory you've gotten a bad report. Could have been about anything. Uh, this is something that's not you unique to people in the world. People in the body of Christ are going to hear things um, that are that are negative, that are destructive, that are discouraging. Uh, Jesus told us in uh, John 16 and 33, in this world you will have tribulation or trouble, but he also said this. Make sure you always read the whole statement of Jesus. I have a better amen than that. Amen. For example, he said, uh, neither do I condemn thee. You'd be amazed how many people stop reading right there and justify their sin and lifestyle because Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. But what else did he say? Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you, but stop what you're doing. That's being honest with the scriptures. Everybody say honest with the scriptures. Uh, it's the same thing here. Yes, he's acknowledging in this world you will have trouble. He said to... Um, you know, Paul said this in Timothy, Yea, and all those that will live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And uh, we haven't seen as much as some parts of the world, but how many know that uh, it's not that far away from us? I mentioned last week, you know, a young man just simply reading the Bible with a megaphone on the street. Somebody snatched the Bible out of his hand, ripped it to shreds, and threw it on the street. And that person should have been arrested, you know. Um, at least get him for littering. You know, you know, but uh, that's the kind of contempt that's out there. I've never seen a Christian walk up to anybody reading some manifesto or spouting some liberal trash or anti-God stuff and rip something out of their hand, throw it on the ground, stomp on it. That seems to be something that's okay and put up with around the world. There's a, a preacher on the streets of London, and she was just sharing the good news. And, uh, you know, somebody decided they didn't like that. So what they did is they attacked her, and guess who got arrested? She did. Well, uh, Scotland Yard just backed off of that and, and paid her, I think, over 10,000 pounds for what they did. They acknowledged publicly that what they did was not correct. This is happening around the world in various English-speaking places. Uh, in Australia, we have pastors that have been arrested because they dared to have church services at the command of the Lord. We have pastors in Canada that are still in jail right now because they refuse to bow their knee to someone tell them they can't have a church service. And so this, these things are real. And yet, uh, it's understandable, especially as we enter into these last days. But read the rest of the verse. Yes. <laughs> but be a good cheer. So when you're persecuted, you should rejoice. When you hear some bad report, your first instinct should be, oh, man, here we go again. It always happens to me. You know, you get that Eeyore thing going on in your life. Now, your first response to bad news should be, Praise the Lord. Why would you have good cheer at bad news? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if he can overcome the world, then of course you are his body. You overcome the world as well. And then 1 John 5 tells us that we overcome the world simply by what? Our faith. This is the victory. Say it with me. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith or our believing. Our active believing is what helps us to overcome whatever the enemy would throw at us, whether it's persecution or a bad report or something that's happening that's trying to undermine your confidence in God and where you're headed in the Lord, some dimension of your life that he bought and paid for with his blood. You know, he owns you. He bought and paid for you, body, soul, and spirit. And he made you body, soul, and spirit. Therefore, he's able to restore you 
body, soul, and spirit. He didn't get amnesia from the cross back to the throne. He knows exactly how to help you and deal with you and me. And so we have to have a, a you know, a foundational, you know, confidence in God and in his word that uh, we're just not out here subject to fate and the whims of whatever happens. When something happens against us, we have the ability to believe our way to victory in that situation. Say it with me, no matter what happens. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That needs to be your mentality. So the next time you get some bad news, just start laughing and rejoicing. You'll look like a freak to the people around you, but you'll be demonstrating your faith. Amen. Well, here we go again. Doesn't mean I'm going under. It means uh, how are you going to do it this time, Jesus? I mean, how are you going to you gonna make the devil look bad this time? I can't wait to see what you do and how you turn this thing around. I love the fact that no matter what God's people are dealing with, God is able to turn it around. Right. Say it with me. He does the turnaround. But I want you to, to see some things. You know, first of all, we mentioned on Sunday that uh, the key for you and for me is continuing in the things that we have learned. What happens over time is a lot of Christians are backing off of the word, backing off the promises, backing off the commands, the examples of Scripture. And if you come off the word of God, then you have no basis for expecting the turnaround. Right. You have no basis for expecting God to, to bring something positive and good out of the thing that you're actually going through. He's not the author of the bad. He's not the author of the evil. He will never engineer or do anything that's contrary to his word in your life. No. Ever. But he will take that and ram it back down the devil's throat. He will take that and turn it into a testimony in your life. How many of you have already seen him do that? In other words, uh, you can make it so difficult on the devil, he doesn't want to touch you anymore. Because every time you do, you turn that thing around on him and start bragging on the Lord about what he's done in your life. How many have something you can brag on Jesus about tonight? Raise your hand up high. Yes, he's done things for us and he continues to do things for us. He's a good God. Paul said to his son Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What a blessing that Timothy had that kind of foundation. Does that make sense? But how many of you are glad that you're getting that foundation as well? I mean, I, I wish I had learned a lot of these things at a younger age, but you know what? There's nothing I can do about that, but there's everything I can do about it now. Right. What I do with the Word now, what I do with the revelation that I have now. And so whatever it is, I want to continue in it. And I've watched through the years that not everybody stands up and applauds, you know, applauds the people who stand on the Word of God. Right. You would think that all people of Christian faith would say, that's great, that's wonderful. But you'd be amazed. Right now in this country, there's more criticism leveled at the body of Christ from the body of Christ than the world ever gave it. And that nonsense has to stop. Why? Because our job is not to correct each other and try to outdo one another and prove each other wrong. Our job is supposed to be winning the lost. There's an idea. <laughs> Going back to a missional mindset instead of a correctional mindset. There's a sermon. Acts 2.42, Luke records, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, say steadfastly, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and of prayer. In Colossians 1, Paul said in verse 22, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Your job is to continue in the faith, being established and firm, and not moving from the hope that's held out in the gospel. That's a decision you have to make. 
Say it with me. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Hey, Paul said these things. Well, that, uh, that hymn is based on. He said the, none of these things moved me. He knew where he was going. He knew persecution was waiting for him. And guess what he said? When the saints said, we're trying to talk you out of going there. We don't think it's wise for you to go there. You're going to see things. And he basically said, I know by the Holy Spirit what's awaiting me. But guess what? None of these things move me. And assignments and, and operations of the enemy and criticism, whatever it is, persecution, make up your mind these things aren't going to move you. And let me tell you some other things that shouldn't move you. Time shouldn't move you, no matter how long you've been believing for something. Money shouldn't move you and your lack of it or are you waiting for God to bless you in some way so you can do what you're called to do? That shouldn't move you. Some date on the calendar shouldn't move you. Somebody's opinion shouldn't move you. Amen. Say it with me. None of these things move me. You've got to have the foundation of continuing in the Word. He said the same thing in John 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Are you a disciple if you Hold on to, continue in my teachings, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We like to start right there, and I'll know the truth, and the truth will set me free. But guess what? You can't be free if you don't know the truth. And you can't know the truth if you're not what? If you're not a disciple. And you're not a disciple if you haven't been holding to the Word. In other words, there's a lot of American Christians. They're Christians by culture, but they're not disciples. Why? How dare you say such a thing? Because they don't continue. In the Word of God. It's not what you're hearing in church services, what you're continuing in that makes you a disciple. A disciple, by definition, is a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple is like the Christ, but not the Christ. Say that with me, like the Christ, like the Christ. but not the Christ. No, no misunderstanding here. You are not the spotless, sinless Son of God. Never will be. But you have been made to be an anointed one in His image. Does that make sense? So what does that mean? You know, it means for you and for me that uh, we're, we're to continue in the things that we have actually learned and be that disciple, self-disciplined learner. And the only way for you and I to be anointed, to be victorious, to be like Him in nature, you know, in terms of what He can do, in terms of His, uh, his ability to, to affect change and to influence people, the only way we can do that is to continue in His Word. It's not just disciples believe certain things. Disciples do certain things. How many believe the gospel should be believed, but it should also be demonstrated? Can I have a better amen than that? It's not going to be if we don't continue. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah, everybody believes this stuff. Everybody believes in the supernatural. Everybody believes in the present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. Everybody believes in miracles. You'd be amazed in the modern body of Christ because we got so many ways of fixing things and dealing with things. We don't trust God like we should. And yet we still see His hand moving. And one of the things that will mark this last great awakening in America is a, a resurgence of the supernatural, not the counterfeit, Amen. but the real deal. Eyes are going to open that were blind. Feet are going to grow back that have been amputated or blown off in war. Ears are going to pop open. Organs are going to refashion. Organs that have been taken out are going to reappear. Going to freak all kinds of doctors out. Amen. <laughs> Surgeons are going to be like, I took that out. But I clearly see that it's there. Again. <laughs> Would that be okay, Jackie, if that happened? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Uh, true story. How do you know who Joe Marler is? Uh, Joe Marler 
uh, came to the Lord over in uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, when I was pastoring there. And that night we had an illustrated sermon, and out of a packed house that was there, one person came to the altar. Wow. He came to the altar and gave his life to Christ, and he was verbal changed. Wednesday night he went to a revival service, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was just installed as the pastor of Crofton Assembly of God just a few weeks ago. Um, more fruit, amen, from being a part of the ministry here. I mean, we've literally got pastors propping up all over the country and Mahamas, you know, you name it. It's, it's, it's great to see what God has done. But uh, I can tell you this, this story. He had his, I won't tell you the hospital because I don't want to incriminate anybody. But, uh, but if you ask me privately, I'll tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, uh, he went in with some issues uh, when he was not living here. <laughs> and uh, they, they, he said, what's well, wrong? And they said, well, your, your appendix needs to come out. So they did the surgery and they, they took his appendix out. He got over to Murray as a student and he went to the hospital with an emergency room, was admitted, and Dr. Dowdy came in and said, you need to have your appendix removed. <laughs> he said, I had my appendix removed. Now, I honestly don't think it grew back. You understand what I'm saying to you? I think... Probably a mistake here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of like that guy in, uh, in Ron Howard's version of The Grinch. You know, have you ever heard about the time I had my tonsils taken out twice? Well, Joe had his appendix taken out twice. Yes, he did. <laughs> Once by somebody over there. And unfortunately, there's no one to hold accountable because, you know, the guy's long gone. But, you know, there's going to be weird things happening. For real. Amen. Uh, hearts that are completely diseased, completely opened up. Would that be okay? Would it be okay if you saw some of that stuff? Would it be okay if the Lord did these things through you, through the ministry he's called you to do? Not is he's going to do that through the preachers and the evangelists. No, that's where you're mistaken. The third great awakening is not a demonstration of people on a platform. It's a demonstration of the body of Christ wherever he happened to be. It's an exciting time to actually be alive. Does that make sense? There's nothing wrong with the long lines and big tent meetings that Oral Roberts had. There's nothing wrong with how God used Catherine Kuhlman. Praise God, it was a sovereign move of God. There's nothing wrong with how he's used people like Reinhard Bonnke before he went home to be with the Lord or Billy Graham. But I'm telling you that that's not God's you know, ideal for the body of Christ. His ideal is that everybody's winning souls, everybody's getting people healed, everybody's getting people delivered because they're trained, their minds have been renewed to do that. But you're going to have to continue in. I mean, come on, say it. It's not a time to waver. No, we don't want to waver in unbelief. Hebrews 10 says this, verse 39, But we are not of those who draw back or shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life. Life and life more abundantly. There's nothing good that comes from shrinking back from your foundation. There's nothing good from drawing back from the things that God has put and deposited into your heart. Every person I have ever known that got put out with Spirit-filled church or put out with Word people or put out, you know, with the things of the Spirit or put out with the promises of God, I have not seen anything but destruction in people's lives that shrink back without exception. Well, we're not going to be those that shrink back unto destruction or perdition. Amen? <laughs> Say it with me. We're going to continue. Shout out loud. I am continuing in what I have heard, what I have learned. And hey, you may not have had them since infancy, but you know enough right now to be a force for good in this world. Amen? Say it with me. I'm more than a conqueror. So we spent a little time dealing with Mark chapter 4, and I won't go back all over it again, but I want you to know that uh, the devil's just not going to sit back and let you have the Word and continue in the Word in your heart and life and do nothing about it. We know he has assignments. 
One of the things he does is he comes immediately to steal the word. How many you know the word that's plucked out of the ground of the heart will not produce any kind of a crop? It's just gone. And I mentioned to you Sunday that Satan always comes to church. Satan's more faithful than some church members. He's always there when the word is preached to distract somebody or try to get in their ear, tell them why that's not true, you know, or that stuff's passed away, you know, or that's not the way grandma and grandpa saw it and believed it. Something just to, to steal the word. You know, Keith Moore uh, demonstrated this you know, very, very well when he was in a service one time. And he said a prophecy came forth in the service. And there's a young man in that service who came to him for counsel. And he said, you know, God's going to speak to you. God's going to give you the wisdom, you know, to deal with the situation. And he said that prophet of God began to speak up. And uh, all of a sudden there was clanging and banging and clanging in the back of the church. And you watch this young man as he turned around from the speaker to watch and see what was going on in that back door. And interestingly enough, about the time that the prophet of God stopped speaking, all the distraction ended and he turned back around. He marveled how the devil specifically tailored that entire situation to rob that young man of the word he needed. You say, well, he can just go listen to it on a tape. Just because you can go back and listen to something on a tape doesn't mean you shouldn't be receiving right now when it's going That's forth. Right. That's right. Get it now, not on a tape. Amen. I thank God for the technology we have. But there's something about a live service with the people of God. Amen. And God called leadership to teach and to preach, to lead and to guide when something goes forth. You say, well, you know, those prophets don't exist anymore. I beg to differ with you. Jesus is the one that said he gave apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to perfect the church for the work what of the ministry. Is a, does the church still need perfecting? Yes. Then we still need the prophet. Yes. Amen. Does the church still need to be perfected you know, for ministry? Yes, then yes, you still need the apostle. It's interesting that people say that the apostle and the prophetic office has disappeared, but they say nothing about the office of pastor, teacher, and evangelist. It seems to me that all of them should be cast aside, not just two of the five gifts. You know what that says, the two of the five? Those are known for being more supernatural and miraculous in nature. More, not that the other ones aren't, they are. Obviously, to do the ministry of the pastor, you better have some supernatural power. You won't last five minutes in the pastor. <laughs> just being honest with you. But uh, it's, it's not that that's... That's a problem for people. It's a, it's a filter of an anti-supernatural bias to begin with. It's a cloak that says there is no more supernatural to it. God proved his deity and that's the end of it. Now it's just about preach the word, get saved and go to heaven. There is no more. These things have passed away. By whose authority has the prophet and the apostle been removed? Not one man of God, not one apostle said these gifts have passed away. Do not let anybody take anything away from you that Jesus has issued to the church. We need them right now. And they're there. And their ministries are tested too by miracles, signs, and wonders and the advancement of the church. I could give you half a dozen off the top of my head that are doing great things around the country. Now, should you go around calling yourself one flippantly? No, not everybody calls themselves an apostle. Is an apostle. Not everybody calls himself a prophet. Is a prophet. Can I be blunt with you? Not everybody that calls himself a pastor is a pastor. That's right. That's right. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? What does the Lord say? You know, what are you supposed to be called to? All I can tell you is that that you needed to continue in that foundation. This move of God is going to be the greatest demonstration of the supernatural we've ever had. 
You know, what's odd about this entire situation in America right now, where we're moving more and more leaning onto the arm of the flesh and the intellect and our own concepts and our own device theology. What's really interesting is when Jesus lived here, they attacked him for, them, for, for doing the supernatural. And you know what they said? He does miracles by Beelzebub. They had more faith that the devil could do this than that God could do it. Do you see this? As long as he was just a teacher, rabbi, that was fine. You see what I'm saying to you? So what you want to make sure is you don't approach the scripture with some man-made filter on. No. Just take it at its face value. Yes. For example, when I was a baby Christian, I say baby Christian. <laughs> that just simply means I wasn't born again very long. And I was reading through the scriptures. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I found out something interesting about, about the concept of, of healing. Not one time did Jesus deny anyone healing that came to him. Not once. If there is a doctrine that Jesus doesn't want to heal, it didn't come from the Gospels. That's right. Amen? I also found it interesting, he never afflicted anyone with disease. Not even once. So if we're going to let the Word speak for the Word, the Word says He is Savior, He is Forgiver, Amen, but He's also Healer. Now, be careful you don't let somebody talk you into saying, well, that was just for a season to prove His deity. You're misunderstanding. It's not an issue of deity. It's an issue of nature. Yes. Yes. It's His nature to forgive, and it's His nature to heal. Yes. Are you here today? Amen. Everybody say foundation. It's being taught things, but then resolving in your mind, you're going to continue in what God has deposited in your life. Because he's up to something great. And how do you want to be a part of it? Amen. And I don't want to be sitting, you know, in, you know, in the, in the doghouse or on the bench when he's moving supernaturally in this day. Amen. Uh, Jesus being told he, uh, he did miracles by Beelzebub, didn't stop him from doing them. And rejection today of the supernatural won't stop it from happening either. Does that make sense? You just don't want to be on the side of the one who is flirting with blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. By saying if there is something supernatural happening, that, that was the devil. Say, I have confidence in God. Not the devil. Are you here? So you've got to make up your mind not to allow the devil to come in and steal the word from your heart. Amen. Amen. There are not a lot of distractions on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, if you come out on a Wednesday night, an American Christian on a Wednesday night, there's something pretty good going on in your life. Man, you can go ahead and give yourself a hand clap. That's a pretty good thing. Yeah, praise the Lord. How do you? There's all kinds of things you could be doing. You could be absolutely wore out. Some of you are thinking, oh, I just came here because my kids are over in youth. Whatever brought you. <laughs> Amen. That means I get to torment you while they're over there. So. <laughs> Amen. Make the most of every opportunity. Isn't that what Scripture says? Amen. Praise the Lord. But uh, there's, something, there's something good. There's, there's, a, there's a dialing in. Now, how many have been in Wednesday night services long enough to know that God usually takes us up a notch or two in terms of revelation? By being here. Why is that? That's because it's not just the speaker that, that affects the level of communication. The people themselves make a draw and make a demand on an anointing and they affect the utterance. Yes. Yes. Do you see this? Yes. 
So you're coming here and you're not interested in distracting yourself or anybody else. You're not here because somebody drug you here. You're not here because of some weird reason or whatever. You wanna, you wanna know. Turn to somebody and say, I have an inquiry in mind. I wanna know. And you know what I found out? It's in settings just like this that one word from God can come into your heart and change your life forever. That one thing can explode on the inside of you. And it was just said in a certain way, and the Spirit of God ministered it to your heart, and you're never the same. That's the value of the Word of God. Amen? Both the collective logos and that rhema, that supernatural, instantaneous application of the Word of God to your heart and life in real time for a real specific situation. Isn't our God great? It's not a dead word. Amen? It's alive. Look at somebody and go, it's alive. So he'll steal the word, but we also know that he will cause, you know, oftentimes people will receive the word with great joy, but then when the persecution comes, well, who do you think's authoring the persecution to get somebody to turn loose of the word? It's pressure to get you to wilt. You, you're, you made a good start. You're excited about the word. You're full of joy. And you start growing, but then here comes the pressure. And because of offense from that pressure or delays or issues happening, you know, you, you begin to wilt because you don't have much of a root. The good news is that you can pass that test as well. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. He's not getting the word out of my heart. What are we talking about? We're not talking about the condition of the seed. We're talking about the condition of the heart. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is incorruptible. It never, ever has or ever will be a dud. Every single seed is 100% fertile and will work if it finds the right kind of soil. Yeah. But the devil steals it out, never gets into your heart. It gets into your heart, but persecution comes and you wither under that pressure. And if you survive that still, there's ways of, of choking out that word the Bible tells us, amen. Worries or manifestations of fears, a wrong relationship with money or greed or materialism where instead of pursuing the Lord, you're pursuing stuff at the expense of your walk with God. Uh, money is not evil. It takes on the personality and character of the person that possesses it. But the love of money is idolatry. You see the difference? That's the root of all evil, not money or stuff, but what a wrong relationship with it. That's what he's referring to. And he also refers to various desires for pleasures. And what happens is you've got it in there growing, but then here comes the worry, here comes uh, the pleasure, here comes the redirection on something you got your eyes on. And what happens is it does not maintain itself and, and produce the kind of crop that God wants. But there is a certain kind of a soil. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. You didn't let the seed be stolen from your heart. And you didn't let the pressure cause your, your, your harvest to wilt. And you didn't let the desires come in and choke out the word of God that's in your heart. And the Bible says you heard, according to Luke version, and you retained it and you produced the harvest. 30, 60, and 100. Say it with me. I am on my way. Now that's all foundational, you know, to, uh, to making yourself uh, and positioning yourself so that you can, in fact, not just exist, but, but uh, you know, thrive in your Christian walk. Amen? Um, and when something bad comes at you, you know, the first thing you're going to thank God for is that you have a foundation. Amen. Amen. I've been in the room when people got the worst news of, of their life. I mean, hospital rooms, homes, 
And I have seen both sides of this. I have seen people absolutely lose control and go ballistic. And I, I've looked at people in the face and I've seen their face say a very simple thing, even though they weren't saying it verbally. It was like, none of these things move me. Amen. Are you here? Yeah. Um, you know, most of you don't know, uh, you know them well, and you may not have been here at all at that season in time, but Carlos Elkins, you know, one of our senior members, uh, had gone into Lourdes for, for heart surgery. And uh, the heart surgeon there could, could work anywhere. He's that good. He's also a, a man of God. He has a, uh, he has a statue in his office, uh, his personal medical office, and the statue is a surgeon who behind him is Jesus guiding his hands. That's what the sculpture is. And he, he prays with everybody. He's the one originally Mark Randall's valve surgery in his heart. He's really a, a terrific physician. And he's had offers to go to some of the finest places in the country, but he feels like he was called to this particular part of the, of the country. And, um, you know, so um, he gets out of surgery and looks like everything is going just fine. And uh, about half hour, 45 minutes later, a couple of miracles you know, took place. But what happened was uh, he hemorrhaged bad. I mean, he was in the hallway. You could see his bed, and he was literally hemorrhaging right there on the bed. And the first miracle was that uh, the surgeon had not left. This was late in the night. Normally, he'd have been gone. He literally hadn't even taken off his scrubs. He was able to go right back in and deal with the situation. The other thing that I saw, everybody say, you can see faith in action. Is uh, we went into the to the Lord's Chapel there, and uh, Mark Randall was with me, and, and Linda, his wife, was there, and she knelt down in the altar area, and Mark was on one side, and I was on the other side, and she cried out to God and cried out in faith. I mean, you know, he cried, Lord, your God hears you. Amen. Come on, say, he hears me. He's not ignoring me. And uh, she cried out to the Lord, and this went on, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, and then all of a sudden, she just kind of sat up like that. I'm telling you, it's like somebody hit her head in the frying pan, and there was a knowing there was a knowing on her. None of these things moved me. And she said, all right, it's fine. She walks out the chapel to have an OR nurse come in there and say that uh, he's able to stop all of the bleeding. He's going to be perfectly fine. He's alive tonight because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Flowing in and through God's people. So that's what you want to be. You don't want to be the one freaking out. But if you do not have and stick to your foundation, you will be when that bad news comes. Come on, shout out, none of these things, none of these things, move me. Shout out, none of them, move me. This is what uh, Isaiah says in uh, Isaiah 53, 1, that the saying of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been what? been revealed, you understand that um, just because there's a, a good thing that God has been disseminating and communicating to people through His Word, that doesn't mean everybody's going to believe what He actually has said. Amen. And I encourage you to just take the Word of God at face value. Amen. Amen. If it says it, believe it. That's it. It says it. I believe it. That settles it. So what I wanted to do is spend a little time in, uh, in this scripture, Mark chapter 5, and give you tonight just some, uh, some principles for overcoming that bad report. I encourage you to, uh, to take some notes tonight. Say, why, Pastor? Because you will need them at some point. 
Is there a test tonight? No. But there will be. Not from me, not from God. It will come from the evil one. Amen. In uh, Mark 5, you want to read along with me. In verse 21, when Jesus again crossed over by a boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now what's interesting about this, this is the last thing the synagogue ruler wants to do is be associated with Jesus, considered to be a heretic, amen, and maybe the devil incarnate himself, but he didn't care. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Say that with me. Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, the Hebrew indicates, uh, excuse me, the Greek indicates that she said and kept saying to herself, if I just touch the, you know, his clothes, I will be healed. And watch what happens. So immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? I know Jesus wasn't talking about the touch of the, you know, the clothes. He was talking about the drawing of the virtue by faith. In other words, watch this. A whole lot of people bumped into him, but there was no indication that virtue went out. How many hundreds bumped into him and nothing happened? So we know that's not the key. Just casually bumping into the things of God is going to work for you? No. Intentionality is going to work for you. This woman legally shouldn't have been out on the streets. She would have had no energy to make that journey, let alone fight through the crowd. But what's propelling her forward is her faith. She had heard, she believed, now she's what? She's saying to herself, remember how faith works? You hear you believe what you heard, you say, amen, what the word says, and then you what? You do. And is she doing? That's why the casual bumping of Jesus, there was no virtue going out. But when she grabbed a hold of that, what happened? Now, a lot of people make a, you know, a big deal about the, the clothing of Jesus and what it represents. And that's perfectly fine. But let's not overcomplicate this. The bottom line is she said to herself, if I just touch what the hem of his garment, I will be healed, I'll be made whole. Well, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be free from your suffering. We didn't get to follow her around, but one day we can ask her, tell us everything that happened from the moment you got healed in the rest of your life. You know what we will find out? Not only was she physically restored, God began to restore her in other areas of life. Restored her to the worship system. Restored her socially. Amen. Restored her economically where she had been driven almost to the poorhouse trying to get healed. See, that's why I don't understand people. They will literally, you know, spend themselves into the poorhouse trying to get healed, but officially they don't believe in divine healing. <laughs> Does it make sense? No. You know, religion does not make any sense. That's why people have to memorize it and force it down people's throats. Just let the word speak. Come on, say it with me. Just let the word speak. When Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? In other words, you're too late. 
this little interlude and interruption has cost you whatever Jesus would have been able to do. Overhearing and ignoring what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I said to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. I guess so. He gave strict orders not to tell anyone about this and told them to give her something to eat. You ever notice the people that get resurrected, they're hungry? She must have been a Pentecostal. <laughs> she, she was hungry. She wanted some fried chicken, amen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but watch this tonight. Just write this down. Number one, remember uh, who's with you. Jesus said to Jairus, what did he say? He said that he was going to go with him, right? It's, it's not who you're with. I'm with this camp. I'm with that camp. I'm with this group. I'm with that group. I'm from this family. I'm from that family. No. What matters is who is what? With you. With you. And he is with you. Are you here tonight? Amen. Now, understand this. The woman with an issue is not an interruption. It's a demonstration. It's another opportunity to see what the master can actually do when given the faith to actually work with. Amen? Say it with me. It's not an interruption. It's a demonstration. The same Jesus who healed the woman with an issue is with you. Right now. His power hasn't diminished. His will hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday today, and forever. He didn't suddenly run out of power because that woman drained him of all of it. He's not going to do any more miracles because he's tired or retired. No. The same Jesus that healed the woman with an issue is with you, Jairus, and he's with you tonight. So no matter how bad the report is, Jesus is with you, and because of that, you can turn that situation around. Amen? Amen. Remember what Smith Bigglesworth said. He says, at one time I thought I had the Holy Ghost, but now I know the Holy Ghost has got me. Does the Holy Ghost have you tonight? Does Jesus have you? Well, I've got Jesus. And I've got the Holy Ghost. Wrong, wrong concept. He has me. The Holy Ghost has what? Has me. I got tickled. I was driving through town today, and I, I saw this bumper sticker on the back of one of those little IKEA souls. You know what I'm talking about? The car. And it, uh, it said uh, on the back, it said, do you follow Jesus this close? I thought, that's, that's priceless. I mean, rebuke the driver and witness for Jesus at the same time. Is that not good? Amen. Do you, do you follow Jesus this close? And I just pray everybody that reads it will get convicted, you know. <laughs> Number one, I'm tailgating you. Yep, yep, got me there. Number two, hmm. I follow you more closely than I follow Jesus. Oops, time to repent. Look at somebody tell them, time to repent. <laughs> but is that important? Yeah. Say it with me. Remember who's with you. Never will he leave you. 
Never will he forsake you. He's not getting sidetracked over here and doesn't know what's going on with you. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He has been there. He knows what's going on. And he's still a very present help in time of need. So when you get that bad report, it's not, oh, what am I going to do? It's Jesus, you are here. Not over there. He's where? He's a very present help. He is present at that situation. And that's what I find is, is the big difference. Uh, people that freak out versus people that just sit there just like Linda. You know, none of these things move me. They have a deep abiding conviction that he is there. And he's never going anywhere. They'll make a difference what you're going through. He's not the author of your destruction. He's not the author of your trouble. He's not the author of your manifestation of the curse. He is the author of life, and he is there. Amen. Now, a Jesus in you consciousness is one of the best things you can develop moving forward in these last days. I'm going to say Jesus in me. It's one of the things I appreciate about uh, you know uh, Bill Johnson's ministry. Uh, he just, uh, that's his life. He's, you know, God assigns different things to different people. And we just have to take up the mantle God has for us. But this, this present day consciousness, second by second ministry and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it's powerful. And learning not to come out of that. Uh, it's not something you just stumble into because you went to a good service. We're talking about your daily life at the coffee shop. When you get a donut, amen. When you're at the gas station. You're never coming out of that. That is what empowers you. He's not, listen, Jesus physically is where? Physically, he's at the right hand of the Father. He's resurrected essences there, but his spirit is where? The spirit of Christ lives in you, and he's never going to, I think, think about that. Aren't you glad you're saved? Are you glad you're baptized in the Holy Ghost? If you're not, you can be. Just ask Him to immerse you in the, in the Holy Ghost and give you the evidence of speaking in other tongues and all the other gifts that go with it. Praise the Lord. That's great. Uh, don't minimize any of that. But the reality is the Spirit of God dwells in you and He is never going anywhere. Ever. You draw your last breath on this planet and you go to the other place. Guess what? You are still there. Amen. And he is still with you. What a place it must be. Amen. How many of you are going to go? Are you convinced you're going to go? If you have any doubt about going or not, you make sure your heart's right. Do what the word says. Repent of your sin. Amen. Believe the good news. Believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead. Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. A confession is made into salvation. Don't be like modern, you know, uh, you know, people in church that say, well, I just believe in Jesus. Make sure that you're, you're dealing appropriately with what he said to do with your sin. Repent of your sin and believe the good news. And you too will have a place over there. Uh, somebody just needs to hear this tonight, so I'll just tell it. But uh, uh, some time ago, Keith Moore actually uh, had a visitation in heaven. And he was on some kind of a contraption that uh, was like a, you know, like a motorbike, but something far more superior to that. And he was going down like a little mallway in heaven. There's lots of people on this side, lots of people on this side, and kind of like the, what you see in a long outdoor mall kind of a thing. And it seemed like he was driving forever, and he come upon this crowd, and he sees his dad there looking about 30-something years old. And instantly he knew his dad, and instantly his dad knew him, and they embrace. 
And the first thing that his dad wanted to know was how the ministry on earth was going. His heart was still, what's going on? Are there people being reached? <laughs> Everybody say, heaven is real. And then he had people calling out his name, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith. And he turned around, people came up to him and said, you remember when you taught on this series? Remember when you taught this message? He goes, that series changed my life. These messages changed my life. I'm in heaven today because of your ministry. Could you imagine what a blessing that is? That's why it's so important for us to be soul winners. We want to get there and have people come up, not because we deserve the praise, but to say, no, your life mattered on earth because you pointed the way for me. That's what people should be focused on. Can I tell you something? Leaning in for this because it's really good. You're all going to have your doctrine corrected when you get to heaven. All y'all. All of us. None of us have arrived yet. So it's completely ridiculous for anybody to act like they have. Amen. It's just craziness to focus on things that don't matter when people are going to hell from Murray, Kentucky. What we should care about is reaching everybody we can through outreaches, through the fall festival, through the services, through the ministries, whatever we, we have that God has assigned us to do. That's what really matters, how to make it hard to go to hell from Murray, Kentucky, and Callaway County. You know, everything else doesn't matter. And if you, have, if you have elevated anything over that, you are missing the point. You're straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Look at somebody and tell them, don't do that. Camels don't go down very well. You know what that camel is? It's religion. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember the Lord is with you. Say he's with me. Number two, ignore the negative report. Just learn to ignore it. What does ignore mean? It means literally... <laughs> Refuse to take notice of or acknowledge. To disregard intentionally. We don't ignore by accident. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. If we're ignoring, right, something or someone, it didn't just happen. That was the decision that we actually made. Well, in this case, you need to ignore the report. She's dead. Don't bother the master any. More. Well, it showed us where their faith was at. Yeah. See, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you open up your mouth, what happens? Your heart falls out. Yes. Say, when you open up my mouth, my heart falls out. And the heart fell out. But what is Jesus teaching us is to ignore that report. Ignore it. Refuse to take notice of or acknowledge, disregard intentionally. There are 12 men of God that went in to spy the land. And listen, these young men were not idiots and they were not, you know, somehow the, the you know, the, the last people on earth you want to send in to spy the land. These were, were promising young people. They were chosen to go in and spy the land out. And they all saw the great potential. They saw, you know, the clusters of grapes and they saw the fruitfulness and they saw how good it was. But they also saw the problems. And guess what? Ten decided to focus on every reason why we can't go in. Joshua and Caleb focused on what? What did God say about this? So here's the what? Here's the bad report. And you know what the Bible says? They went through the camp and spread a, an evil report of unbelief. What makes a report go from bad to evil when you add unbelief to it? 
And see, we would, we would say, oh, yeah, they, boy, these, they, these are sins. Oh, these things are bad. But the average Christian, when it comes to unbelief, does not put that kind of sin in the same category with other kinds of sins, carnal sins or whatever the case may be, or violations somewhere of God's Ten Commandments and moral law. You know, but unbelief, according to God, is evil. So when you read the scripture that he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities, he sent forth his word and healed us. He forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. By his stripes, we, what? We're healed. He went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for what? For God was with him. And the scripture tells us that he healed every and he healed all. And you say, I don't believe that. That's evil. And that's exactly where they were at. Now, your job is to ignore that evil report of unbelief. Doesn't make a difference where it comes from. How many can raise your hand and say, you've had to unlearn a few things since you've been a Christian? Amen. I mean, some of us went around just spouting off sayings because we thought they were true. We heard them so much. God helps those who help themselves. Yes, he does. Amen. Yes, amen. And then you hear, you never know what God's going to do. That's not what the Word says at all. Amen. This is the confidence that if we ask God, according to His will, what, what does He say? He, he hears us. These are, these are man-made traditions trying to explain things that, that they should just go to God with and go to His Word. They just, they just make up these sayings. Amen. No, be careful. Glory to God. Or complete ripping of scriptures out of their context to suit the filter that they put on before they opened up the Bible. Don't open up your Bible with a filter. Just let it speak for itself. Amen. Ignore it. The Bible says Jesus overheard what they said. You know what? He also overhears things that are said to you and around you. And he's able at that moment to give you the word to counter that. To cause that word to come up out of your spirit. Amen. When when something, an evil report, I believe that bad news comes and you're tempted to go down that path mentally like everybody else is or even verbally with them. If you'll just be patient, up will come that countering word from him. Amen. Because he overheard it. Hallelujah. Number three, arrest the fear. And continue to believe. Arrest the fear. And continue to believe. Say that with me. Arrest the fear. And continue to believe. They said she's dead. Well, next thing you know, he's either going to have confidence that he can do something about this, or he's going to get into fear. Well, obviously he was getting into fear. Jesus wouldn't have said something about it. Amen. Say to arrest the fear. In other words, don't be afraid, he said, just believe. It literally means in the Greek, stop the fear, only believe. Watch this. Smith Wigglesworth also had an interesting take on this, only believe. What he's saying here is do nothing else but believe. Don't analyze, don't rationalize, don't try to replay what they said, but what only. That's the message here, not just don't fear, just believe. That kind of tones it down. But when you, when you, when you get a hold of this and you think only believe, this is the only thing I'm going to do in this scenario, is believe, it starts to make a lot of sense for us and, and helps us a lot. Um, you think about this, 
Get rid of all self. Say all self. Don't focus on human help and get rid of everything else, but only believe and trust in God. Nothing else is going to happen here good without that confidence and trust in Him. So remember, He's with us. He's with me, and He never leaves me, nor forsakes me. Amen? I am going to ignore that evil report of unbelief. Say it number three. I'm going to stop the fear. Can you do that? Yeah. How many of you know this stuff enough that you can sense it trying to come on you? Not just after it comes on. How many can sense it trying to come on you? That's when you deal with this stuff. Because it will not produce any kind of victory in your life. Number four, for sake of time, separate from the commotion. When they get there, there's all this commotion, wailing and crying and whatever it is, and even a little laughter when Jesus said that uh, she's what? She's not dead, but how many you know to the Lord everybody's asleep? Pick a graveyard. To him, guess what? Not in the literal sense. They're dead, absent from the body, present from the Lord, but they left them. So you have this commotion going on. You have this crying, this wailing going on. How many understand that commotion does not lend itself to faith and what faith produces? In other words, faith rarely travels in an entourage. Amen. He wouldn't even let all of his disciples come with him. You see this? This principle is you've got to separate from the commotion. You know the word sanctify is, is really not that holy of a word in the Greek. We, it is to us because we understand sanctification is a, is a biblical process. You know that God is instantaneously and progressively separating us from sin and wickedness and unto God. But all sanctification means, all sanctify means is to separate. And you separate yourself from the commotion. All the indicators that it's over and nothing good is going to happen in this situation. What's the point? What's the use? It's never going to change. A lot of people get that way. I've said it before. You know, people, you know, make decisions. They ruin their lives by their own folly. Then their heart rages against the Lord. That's not the way you want to be. You want to separate from all that commotion. So what does he do? All the laughing, you know, all the people laughing at him, all the people wailing, all the people crying. None of them got to go in with him. Brings the parents in, and he brings us in our core. These are the same fellows who actually saw the transfiguration, and Jesus made application for their benefit. But how do you understand? Some people are not capable of looking at natural circumstances and maintaining their faith. They're moved by what they see. First time I went into an intensive care unit, and I saw the 50 tubes hooked up and everything going on, and thousand people trying to work on somebody. I mean, you have to step back and say, now, what do you believe? Do you believe the tubes? Do you believe the diagnosis? Do you believe the prognosis? Do you believe, you know, all the treatment that's there? Do you believe everything that's going on? Or do you believe what God said? You know, God's word didn't change one iota because you see things in a hospital. No, that's right. Well, the last thing you want is commotion when you're trying to believe God. That's why scripture tells us be still. And know that I am God. Come out from among them and be, what? Separate. Jesus said, come away by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The commotion. You're rarely going to see great miracles in the midst of commotion. 
I didn't say celebration, I said commotion where people are acting on their unbelief, wailing and crying. Be careful here because if you give yourself over to grief, it'll keep stealing from you over and over and over again. Everybody grieves differently. You have a major loss in life. But everyone should be mindful of this. Don't slip into a spirit of grief that controls your destiny and your future. That's part of the commotion, is it not? Amen. I've passed long enough to, to see people get stuck. And some, some of them I've shoved out of their stuckness. <laughs> Amen. And some people don't want to hear it. Uh, they've they've you know, uh, you know, adopted a new identity. I'm the one who's lost here. I'm the one who's gone through this. And so that's, that's who I am now. And it's, it's perfectly fine. You should be celebratory of your memories, and you should appreciate the people that have gone before you. Um, like any other congregation, when you've been somewhere for a long time, you're going to see a lot of people come and a lot of people go. We've lost some great people. But does that change your purpose? Does that change your destiny? No. If you're not careful, your own grief can become part of the commotion. Uh, you can release virtue or you can be part of the commotion, but you can't be both. When I say, I'm divorcing myself, from the commotion and staying in faith. Uh, who went in? People that were not part of the laughing crowd, the wailing crowd, amen, the commotion. Separate yourself. Turn to somebody and tell them, separate yourself from all that commotion. Do what? Commotion is a state of confused and noisy disturbance. Commotion is a, a state of confused and noisy disturbance. Does that sound like the peace of the Holy Ghost? No. <laughs> no. Confusion, does that sound like God? No, God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, right? That disturbance can be a mixture of anything like grief, doubt, fear, unbelief, and mocking, or simply unscriptural thinking. You cannot receive consistently when there's this commotion going on about you. And some of you need to hear tonight a clearing call from the Spirit of God. Come away by yourself with Him. Amen. Separate yourself so it can declutter your life spiritually and get you back on center again. Get you back on a true north. Your relationship is more important than anything. Um, you know, how right you are doctrinally, how much you do for God, how much you give, how much you serve, all the things we think that we can measure with some metric. That all doesn't matter. Where are you right now in terms of intimacy with him? That's the key. That's the most important thing. I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to move here. We're going to move there. We're going to get involved in this. We're going to get involved in that. You know, we're going to take this job. We're going to take that job. You know, we're going to send our kids to this school or that school. And on and on it goes. And I always ask this very, very simple question when somebody really wants to know. I mean, sometimes people honestly want to know what their pastor thinks. And sometimes they don't want to know what their pastor thinks. <laughs> Am I right about it? Well, that, that tends to be the way it is with us. But here's the bottom line. I, I've, I've often said the same thing. You know, I'm not judging you or putting you down. I'm just saying, when I ask this question, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hot for you for God right now? Where is your personal relationship with the Lord right now? Would you say 0, 1, 2, 3, 5, 10? What would you say your relationship is? And if they're honest and they say a 2, 3, or 4, I'll just tell them, you're in no business focusing on everything else. 
making life-changing, sweeping decisions, rejecting entire portions of the Word of God or your spirituality or getting up and just moving your family across the country when you, by your own admission, are not where you should be spiritually. You do these things from the apex of your relationship with Him, not when there's a deficit in your relationship with God. And until you can get back to that mountain spiritually, I don't mean where everything's perfect. I mean where you are closer to him than you've ever been before. That's the challenge. How about that? Amen? How about 2023? You get closer to him than you've ever been your entire life. All these other things will take care of themselves. You put yourself in a position to be taught by him, corrected by him, convicted by him when you're close to him. Every good thing we need from him will happen when we're close in our intimate relationship with him. And nothing good can be communicated to us when we're not. Instead of focusing on all the things that are external, start there first. Ask yourself that question tonight. On a scale of one to 10, how hot am I for God right now? And don't lie to yourself. And if it's a one, two, three, four kind of a thing, yeah, eight, nine, some room for improvement. But if you're down there in the numbers, you know where you should be focusing on. Amen. Not going around criticizing everybody else. Not judging everybody else. Where should you start? Look in the mirror and say, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to take a holy time out. I'll leave all this other stuff to somebody else. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get more hot for God than I've ever been in my entire life. And everything else begins to take care of itself. Amen. Yes, amen. Pastor, thank you for that word. I appreciate that, glory to God. Say with me, my goal is to get closer than I have ever been. Notice what I said, ever. And if you can't say right now you're closer to him than you've ever been, then dial back a little bit on how right you think you are and how much you've arrived and focus on that one thing. Ooh, did I say that again? One thing? Do I have to preach the whole series again? It all boils down to what? One thing. This one thing. She has chosen it and it will not be taken from her. Somebody will get the dishes done. Somebody will cook. But the Son of God is here teaching. She's doing exactly what she should be doing at his feet, listening. Somehow, some way, everything else is going to work when you're closer to him than you've ever been in your life. Say it with me. Separate from the commotion. Say again, separate from the commotion. And then look at what happens here. He says, the child's not dead but asleep. And he took her by the hand and said to her little girl, I say to you, get up immediately. And the girl stood up and walked around. Did they not see a supernatural thing happening there? Amen. But notice what you learned tonight. What's the first thing you need to do when you get a bad report? Remember who is with you. Amen. What's the second thing you do when you have a bad report? Ignore that evil report of unbelief. Amen? Does it trump the word? No. If Jesus is coming with you, there must be something good getting ready to happen. What's the third thing you need to do when you get a bad report? What's that? Arrest the fear. Whose job is that? It's yours. What's the last thing you do? 
Isn't it funny when they got away from the commotion, the power of God began to flow? Aren't you glad for that? Now, some people say, well, that's just a nice little story. It just demonstrates his divinity and his goodness and isn't that wonderful. But God really didn't care about people today if they have needs like that. Can I tell you something? God is going to mess up the funeral industry in the last days. He's going to mess it up. But it's appointed unto man to die once and then in judgment. Yeah, but it's still going to mess up the timing and everything. It's going to mess up their business. Because they're going to think they're getting ready to bury somebody and they're going to pop up alive. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. So I assume, I just don't believe he does that stuff anymore. Well, uh, that's a choice. Remember, belief is always a choice. I love the, the story. Uh, there have been, I think, six or seven resurrections in Brother Copeland's ministry. Uh, my brother-in-law has several documented uh, resurrections in their ministry as well. In fact, a, a co-laborer who's in another uh, motorcycle ministry uh, actually had a massive heart attack at one of the events where Tribe of Judah was actually running the games, you know, for all the bikers and everything, and they had a big yellow and black tent out there, and actually had a heart attack and died. And right there in, in the middle of a multitude, that man was commanded to come back into his body. And he did, right there. You say it doesn't happen. It does happen. Um, my mother-in-law, Dorothy, um, was in the hospital, and um, my aunt, uh, uh, Debbie, actually had, had, had seen her condition and called Kelly and said, hey, you know, you should, you should come over here. She got over there. She basically was gone. Um, this was long before she eventually did pass on. And you know what Kelly did? Wailed and weeped and made a commotion. Oh, no. She just swung around and pointed at her and said, and I command you to come back into your body in Jesus' name. I mean, when you think about Kelly, she's not going to be, you know, the most ostentatious person, but that doesn't matter. What matters is where is the, where's the faith level at? Where is the confidence level at? And uh, she was supernaturally raised uh, from death right there in that hospital. Amen. 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 You say, Pastor, you're blowing my mind. This is crazy talk. No, it's just the word of God. Amen. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. It's a matter of belief. It's a matter of what voice you're paying attention to. Amen. It got to be so common in KCM's ministry that uh, he went to a funeral um, of a friend of the ministry. And he noticed this other man that's kind of sashayed real close to him like this. They're standing around the casket. <laughs> And he looked at Brother Copeland and he said, they've already been embalmed. <laughs> As if that was going to stop God if he was going to raise somebody from the dead. But you see where the mind goes? Huh? He's been dead four days already. He stinketh. Does it matter? You are the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter how long they've been dead. It doesn't matter if they stink. It doesn't matter if they've been embalmed. It doesn't matter if they've been in the ground a thousand years. Have you thought about that? All those wonderful people who predate us. Amen. Doesn't make any difference they've been cremated because that is not the flesh they're going to get anyway. He is not giving them that flesh resurrected. He's giving them what? An incorruptible flesh. Where everything works when you get up in the morning, nothing creaks, pops, or cracks. Your Rice Krispie anointing is gone forever. Amen. You're just totally restored. Everything works perfectly. Amen. While you're on this earth, though, believe God to live long and live strong. Believe God. Amen. 
to live out your days and do what you're supposed to do. You're going to have plenty of time to rest in His presence. What are you here to do? Be right about everything? No, you're here for a little bit of time to get as many people into heaven as you possibly can. That is your duty as a child of God. Amen. And He will confirm His word with signs following. So, um, the bad reports come. But they don't have to defeat you. You can overcome every single one of them. Amen. Say it again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's a great big God. I said he's a great big God. He does supernatural things. Amen. He wants to use you as well. How many desire that you would be tuned in in these last days that way? How many would like to be closer to him than you are right now? You're just being honest about it. You'd like to be closer than you are right now. Well, you can. Amen? Let's make up your mind. If you want to make a change, make a change. Amen. Amen? Glory to God. Let's pray about this. Father, we just thank you for your word today, and we just appropriate it to our hearts and our lives. And Father, we're not uh, looking for things uh, that are bad. We're not looking for things to happen, Lord, that would uh, cause a bad report to come our way. We know from the Word of God, by your example and the narratives of Scripture, how to handle those kinds of situations. So, Father, in Jesus' name, help us always, no matter what we hear, to remember that you are with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Help us, Father, to turn a deaf ear not to your Word, but turn a deaf ear to that evil report of unbelief, Father. Help us, Lord, to make the decision, the split-second decision to stop the fear and choose to only believe and trust completely on you and your word and your power and what you have said. And Father, help us, God. Give us the courage, Lord Jesus, to separate from the commotion and even sometimes people who are causing the commotion, Lord, so that we can stand in faith and see things happen, God, that, that cause your name to be glorified in people's lives to be changed. We thank you, Father God, no matter what bad reports we hear, we know that you have overcome the world. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you receive that? Give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight. <laughs>